Redbox Media Programming is brought to you by... We've got good news. The world is open again, and people like you, people of faith, are traveling to Catholic sites around the world. Want to travel with exceptional Catholic leaders this fall, next year, or in the future? Are you looking to see specific sites, celebrate traditional Latin Mass, or travel to destinations without vaccine requirements? We are here to help you deepen your faith on pilgrimage. Give us a call at 1-800-842-4842 or visit us online at selectinternationaltours.com. Select International Tours is your pilgrimage company, and we have the perfect Catholic trip for you. Are you looking to serve God and society? Consider putting your gifts to work as a lawyer. Ave Maria School of Law has been educating faith-filled lawyers for over 20 years. Ave Maria School of Law is committed to training lawyers to use law appropriately around the moral issues of our time. Visit AveMariaLaw.edu to learn more about integrating your faith with a law degree. One, one programming note as we begin today is the first week of our final message series of the 2021-22 season. This is a five-week series taking us to Father's Day. Beginning then in the week of June 25th and 26th, we'll be launching the first of our two summer series. We offer them in what we call summer format, which means that the message comes after Mass. This gives me a break from preaching, you a break from me, and some of our other staff a chance to speak here in Big Church. If you haven't yet seen this in action, no worries, no fears. We promise to still get you out of here in an hour or less. We have some amazing speakers on staff whom I know you'll enjoy hearing from. And our summer series are going to be engaging and inspiring, just perfect for summertime. So plan now on joining us here or online this summer. Make Nativity a part of your summer schedule. Celebrate. Celebrate is, if you think about it, a fairly wide-ranging concept. At the holidays, we celebrate Christmas. At a funeral, we celebrate a life. At Mass, we celebrate the Eucharist. All very different kinds of celebrations that wouldn't seem to have anything in common beyond that word, celebrate. When we celebrate, we can be doing so many different things. We feast, we fed, we praise, proclaim, promote, we consecrate and dedicate we exalt or extol, we revel and rejoice, we let loose, we live it up, we party. Besides the holiday season itself, late spring is the number one time of celebration on many of our calendars. We celebrate proms and graduations, end-of-the-year school 
traditions and rituals, retirement parties and award ceremonies. Here at church, spring brings first communions, confirmations, and more weddings and baptisms than any other time of the year. So why celebrate? Well, I tried to put together a list, and here's what I came up with. Celebrations create an interruption in the usual or regular pattern of things. Celebrations distinguish seasons and give contour and shape to our living and lives. Celebrations force us to put aside work for at least a little while and remember that while work is important, we're not just made to be producers. Celebrations also force us to put aside fears and frustrations and troubles and trials and focus on the positive. Celebrations remind us that laughter is heart healthy. Celebrations connect us with community. They unify us, they bring us together. Celebrations can powerfully underscore what makes life truly good, of lasting value, as family and friends gather. Celebrations remind us to be grateful for all the good we've got. Celebrations help us acknowledge the progress we've made in our lives. They can give us a healthy perspective on how much we've grown, on how far we've come. They serve as milestones. Celebrations. Celebrations help us take ourselves lightly, or at least less seriously. In a really great celebration, we can be forgetful of ourselves. Celebrating something or someone else, it's good for the spirit. It's good for the soul. You know, as many different kinds of celebrations and ways of celebrating there are, they all have one thing in common. It's true. They all have one thing in common. Celebrations tell stories. They're exercises in storytelling. And ultimately, whatever story they're telling, our celebrations are telling our story. Whenever we celebrate, we're telling our story. And telling our story helps organize our story and come to understand it better. In telling a story, our story, we can make sense out of our story. In fact, the health of our soul so greatly needs celebration that God actually commands it. After rescuing the people of Israel from slavery in Egypt, God gave Moses the commands and laws that he wanted his chosen people to live by in order to be his people. And so, in Leviticus, we read, the Lord said to Moses, speak to the Israelites and tell them, the following are the festivals of the Lord, which you shall declare holy days. These are my festivals. Among the very first and principal laws given by God was the requirement to celebrate. The Hebrew word for festival or celebration is actually closer to our word appointment. These laws that God gave were setting divine appointments placed on Israel's calendar so his people would remember him. The feasts celebrate Israel's history, their faith, and God's blessing. 
Beside the weekly Sabbath, there were a number of annual feasts on the calendar in the spring and the fall. Briefly, they were, of course, Passover. Passover is a feast to remember God's deliverance of the Israelites from that slavery in Egypt. In ancient Israel, pious Jews who were able traveled to Jerusalem to celebrate Passover. Lambs would be offered in sacrifice in the temple. The lamb, a reminder of the meal that was eaten the night of their deliverance. Next comes the Feast of Unleavened Bread, which remembers Israel's escape from Egypt and God's provision of bread. God commanded that the Israelites eat only unleavened bread for seven days of Passover as a reminder of their deliverance and how speedy it was, so speedy that their bread literally had no time to rise. There was the Feast of Tabernacles or Tents. It's a feast to remember the Jewish exodus, the nation wandering in the wilderness for 40 years, living in tents. There was the Feast of the First Fruits or the Feast of Weeks, rather like a Thanksgiving feast. Israelites sacrifice back to God of the first fruits of the annual harvest in recognition that all belongs to God. There was the Feast of Rosh Hashanah, the new year, celebrating the beginning of a new religious year. This feast was the occasion for the blowing of the great shofar or ram's horn, a reminder to the community of God's power and their call to faithfulness. And there was, of course, Yom Kippur, the Day of Atonement. On this holiest of holy days in ancient Israel, a goat would be brought before the high priest. The priest then placed his hands on the head of the goat, symbolically transferring the sins of the people onto the goat. Subsequently, to symbolize that God had forgiven the sins of the people, the poor goat was sprinkled with blood and taken out into the wilderness to die. Maybe not your idea of a celebration, but that's what they did. The goat, by the way, was called the scapegoat. All festivals in the highest, truest sense, they were the experiences that gave identity and unity and cohesion to the nation of Israel. It was their story. And in celebrating their story, they were coming to know it and understand it better. And of course, these feasts are still observed and celebrated by observant and pious Jews to this day. But part of my point this morning is that these feasts are harbingers of feasts we too celebrate at this time of year. In the same way, the church celebrates four feasts that are called solemnities every spring. They remind us of four key truths of our faith and what's most important to us, or at least should be. In this series, we're going to look at these feasts and why they matter. Always closing out the Easter season, they are, in order, Ascension, Pentecost, Trinity Sunday, and Corpus Christi. So 40 days after Easter, Scripture tells us Jesus appeared one final time to the apostles. He gave them the Great Commission, 
which forms the basic mission of the church to be Christ's witnesses in the world. Assuring them of his continued presence and power, he promises them the gift of the Holy Spirit. And then, after which appearance and instruction, he ascends into heaven, returning to the Father. Fifty days after Easter, Scripture tells us, the Holy Spirit ascended upon the apostles and the church was launched. Pentecost is considered the birthday of the church. It's about the church receiving God's ongoing gift of the Holy Spirit so that we too have the ability to fulfill the mission he gave to the apostles. And while both those feasts celebrate historic events, the next two celebrate truths of our faith. The first, Trinity Sunday, celebrates the basic truth of our faith. There is one God in three divine persons, Father, Son, and Spirit. The whole of our faith, the rest of our faith, is built on this fact. And Corpus Christi, or the Feast of the Body and Blood of Christ, celebrates Jesus' gift of himself, his body and blood, his real presence here in the Eucharist. These solemnities go together. They form a whole. They're parts of one profound mystery that is our faith. We see how they go together in a very special gospel passage from John that we heard in today's gospel reading. Jesus said to his disciples, whoever loves me will keep my word and my father will love him and we will come to him and make our dwelling with him. The advocate, the Holy Spirit, will teach you everything and remind you of all that I told you. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. I'm going away, but I am coming back to you. Admittedly, a very dense, a very difficult uh, scripture verse to try and understand. But in this one passage, we have it all. The scene is the, the Last Supper, where Jesus institutes the Eucharist. So we have the Eucharist. He predicts his death and resurrection, so we have the cross and Easter Sunday. He tells them he's eventually leaving them, so we have reference to the ascension. And he tells them the Father and the Son will send the Holy Spirit, so we have the Trinity and Pentecost. He concludes with this simple instruction, do not let your hearts be troubled or afraid. If you loved me, you would rejoice. If you loved me, you would rejoice. Think about it. In the ascension, Jesus, body and spirit, humanity and divinity, ascends to heaven, making it possible for all humanity to now be included in the life of the Trinity. After his ascension, the Father and Son send the Holy Spirit to transform the apostles who in turn launch the age of the church. The church in turn is fed and fueled by the Eucharist. We receive Christ to become more like Christ, to serve in his name, to make disciples in his name, and to prepare for the life of the Trinity that we one day will also share. If we really believe that, how could we not? rejoice. So, over the next few weeks, we'll celebrate these feasts. And our hope 
is that as we focus on these core truths of our faith, as we spend time with these mysteries, we can put our fears in proper focus and get better, at least a little better, at living in the light of God's truth. Celebrating our story is a great reminder that we have every reason to celebrate.